There he goes. Thomas, what's up, man? Yeah, how you doing? Sorry about that. Um, they kept uh, booting me out for some reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's been it's kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know why it does that. All right, now let me try to turn my camera on. Okay, now you should be able to see me. How's it going, man? How yeah. you doing? I'm very well, man. Thanks for hosting me. Oh, it's great. Great to have you here as always. Now, we've been talking about, well, you probably know what we've been talking about, uh, Israel and Palestine uh, and all that. What's your intro to the subject, if you could give one? My interest in the subject? Your intro to the subject and your interest, interest too. Yeah, subject? tell your interest too, though. Yeah. I mean, it. Israel's not a normal country. I've covered that before in some of the some some content with you, I think, as well as <clears throat> just generally when the subject comes up. I've tried to emphasize that because it's not it's not it's not just uh it, it, you know it's not it's not just um an esoteric point of interest. You know, the issue with Israel is that it's unlike any other state in terms of its uh raison d'etre and its ethical constitution. Okay. Um Ernst Nolte made the point that the Soviet Union, the Third Reich, and Israel were and are totally abnormal countries. And they developed in dialogue with each other and with the same nexus of causal variables, okay? Now, obviously, Israel is the only one of those states that still exists. That's one of the reasons why discourse around it doesn't really make any sense. Israel's not a democracy. Like, no, nobody in Israel claims that. The only people who say that, you know, are... Are these are these kinds of um, neocons on Capitol Hill, and you know, these people kind of invoke democracy as shorthand for you know good guys or something. You know, it doesn't. The um, the it, Israel's uh, claim to legitimacy, if we can call it that, it is is vested in the reasoning of 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 the Nuremberg trials and and the entire ethical juristic order that got imposed after the Second World War. Like the idea is that the Jews are a discreet and insular people, unlike any other. They're uniquely threatened by everybody else who harbors this kind of bloodlust against them for irrational reasons. Owing to these factors, there's got to be special dispensations afforded to a Jewish state, literally like a, a Jewish racial state, whereby Jewish blood is protected as an absolute imperative, you know, and all other peoples are excluded from that enterprise. And this is just, you know, on on this is something that's that's not negotiable. Okay. So in America or in the UK or in the EU, but I mean the, the continental EU is a bit different because they're they're under occupation and there's not there's not like a spontaneous discourse on anything there, especially not anything related to you know race or, or Zionism or, or or the Jewish people or anything. But that's why here or in um kind of in, in, in like the Anglophone uh discursive space people kind of like twist themselves in a knots to explain like why it's this moral imperative to support israel like oh it's a democracy and then oh muslims are just these savage bad people or you know the jews are like the the spartans at thermopylae like fighting off the colored hordes like not, none of that is true and that's not that's not the way zionists view themselves and it's, that's not the rationale for israel at all that's just like people coping and because they want to support israel or they're not sure why they you know or there's social pressure to view it as an imperative to preserve it as constituted and they don't know why that is but they just know like oh there's pressure to think that way so here's why i think that you know should be the case that's really the i mean that that's the issue around it ethically and kind of politically so if you're if you're on the right um like like anybody on the right the authentic right you know whether you're white 
like a you know like a national socialist or white nationalist, whatever, or whether you're a a Muslim, be it you know like a, a secular type, uh, like like in Hezbollah, or whether you're like a you know a a, a radical pious type, you know on on um like like an out and out Islamist, or whether you're um you know anybody who uh you know who who takes these things seriously as regards you know the existential considerations that impact his own people. Like you can't just ignore this or say like, "Oh, I don't give a shit about this." It's like, well, you better because these people literally rule over you, okay? And um, what happens in the Middle East? Um, not thankfully, not as much as during the Cold War, but there's potential for um, pretty insignificant events in theater triggering, you know, fairly disastrous military conflagrations. You know, that 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 lead not just to substantial loss of life, but um you know, that also can impact world markets in ways that are, that are going to like, that are going to hurt people in a way that, that's, that, that, you know, things like this, this, this fool there in, in Iraq in 2003 didn't. And, and that, you know, the, the Ukraine uh, war hasn't, at least in America, people in Europe are feeling the sting of that. But so that's why I emphasize to people, like, you can't, you, you can't just act aloof about this and say you're a man of the right. Like, oh, I don't give a shit what happens. I don't care about Israel or Europe. It's like, that's great, man. But it's not, this is a cope. You know, or like you're not smart enough to kind of decipher what's actually happening here. So you're like, oh, that's 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 just bullshit. I don't give a fuck about. You know, it's not that doesn't like make you cool or like some like aloof badass. It just makes you like not engaged with things in the way that you need to be. <laughs> so that's the political side. On the military side, just in like value neutral terms, there's there's been apparently a paradigm shift in how Israel does things operationally. I said at the outset of hostilities, and I'm not like a military guy at all. I like I'm not prior service. I, I don't. I like I would never claim to like have like insight into military stuff. I do, however, know something about politics. Okay, and I said at the onset of hostilities, the weak link in Israel's um, military political kind of constitution is going to be Netanyahu because the guy is just a disaster as a warlord. Okay, that that's been apparent before in lesser iterations of of um of uh of hostilities incident to the same conflict you know and he just doesn't the way all israel has its conventional deterrence okay conventional deterrence operates in kind of a complicated way because it has to be an ongoing enterprise unlike nuclear deterrence obviously which only relates to forces and being you know um israel like south africa from about 19 75 to 1990 you know the way that they managed the paradigm or regime of conventional deterrence keep their enemies at bay was that um the moment that um op for triggered a conflict dyad sadf would assault with everything they had okay whether it was you know swapo whether it was the cubans whether it was some constellation of warsaw pact forces and and indigenous elements like it didn't matter all right they'd throw literally everything they had at it and um and basically turn the battle space into a free fire zone that's what you have to do and you have to do that immediately okay the irony of modern warfare and this sort of fact that it falls under the penumbra of this kind of like constant scrutiny of public opinion if Netanyahu, the minute Hamas assaulted, if he had if he had ordered just like a general assault of Gaza, treated as a free fire zone, you know, treated every military age male as a target, you know, kicked in everybody's door, and if they were in possession of arms, 
you know, arrested them or shot them, like regardless of age, sex, or overall health. Now, if he did that immediately, there would have been no time for some kind of discourse on the morality of it. Um, by the time uh, kind of global media converged on the battle space, like Netanyahu would have his people out front saying, this is a spontaneous attack that threatens our people in existential terms. We responded immediately. Otherwise, like, you know, we, we, we would have been killed. Um, this is a horrible thing, but, you know, warfare is horrible. And, you know, we're not going to we're not going to forego any measure to protect our people. And basically the operation would be mopping up before anybody really knew it was happening. What he did instead was he started issuing a lot of bellicose language and hard talk where didn't do anything. This allowed this kind of conversation to ensue about what exactly a proportional response would entail. Of course, it allowed Hamas to, you know, prepare um, to absorb the blow, whatever it might be, in coming, which I, I, which apparently has been mostly standoff weapons and things. But that was the worst possible option. And then Ehud Barak, uh, like regardless of what anybody thinks of Ehud Barak, I know like he's a controversial figure. Obviously, people on the right don't like him because he's a you know he's a Zionist. But, like his own people have issues with him because he's like he's kind of the, he's like this. It's like this kind of like laborite, like liberal, like within the Zionist paradigm. But he made that point in slightly different terms, and he's absolutely right. Okay, and frankly, twenty years ago, like Israel never would have made that mistake. Okay, um, they they just wouldn't have because you can't. Um, you know, and this is also this isn't this doesn't just relate to the Israel's kind of weird security paradigm. The points been made again and again. You know, going back to the First World War. Or the, or the July crisis, um, you know, if 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 uh, if, if the Habsburg Empire just assaulted and said like this is an outrage that you know our archduke has been murdered, you know, we this is the line in the sand, you know, that the Russians probably wouldn't have done anything. Instead, they waited a month. Meanwhile, uh, you know, this allowed this kind of anxiety and, and bad feeling to fester, you know, and it allowed um interested parties to to drum up a genuinely kind of like pan-Slavic united front against uh, against um, against what a month ago wasn't even their enemy. You know, and I mean, that's like, so I guess what I'm getting at is that like a statesman in the 21st century, you know, he's not a military guy, like this, he should not even call his pants on like Netanyahu, but Netanyahu's really got something wrong with him. And he's a total weirdo. Like he's not even really Israeli. He's like this American Jew who kind of like took on his second career as a league front man because like he hates Palestinians and it's like a way to get rich like he's he's a he's a corny motherfucker like you know Ariel Sharon his predecessor I, I don't think there's much nice to say about him and he was like an ugly guy in every way but you know he was uh he was like the hero of the 1973 war you know and um he, when he did provocative things he generally did them with an operational paradigm in mind that you know was gonna that, that could at least be like rationalized in terms of ongoing military necessity or arguably, you know, in, in improving Israel's relative status of security and things. So that's, there's, it's, it's, it's a very weird situation, man. But I did, like I said, this is not me stroking myself. I, I did say from jump that the weak link here is Netanyahu. It's not, it's not the idea of lacking the munitions they need or, or anything like that. And people like acted like I was an idiot or like, Oh, you're, you're the anti-Semitic. So you hate Netanyahu. No, it's nothing to do with that. Like whether I am or not, has nothing to do with this. And I'm it, my point isn't like, oh, I'm right, and that's so dope. It's that like it's a system that cannot produce effective um, commanders and chiefs at war 
And state like Israel, absolutely, that's an absolute imperative for them to continue to exist as constituted. A, 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 a regime that can't do that any longer is going down. Uh, I know that was long-winded, so forgive me, man. If no, that was just that's exactly – I love it like that. And it's – you know, they hear me talk all the time. I'd rather hear uh, a learned guest uh, give their expert analysis. And you hit on something with Netanyahu, and you're seeing it today. First off, I, you know, they were blaming the weather this past weekend for not going in. They had all kinds of excuses. It's like, look, the longer you give the, – the international media, I don't think people understand – in the American media, it's bought and paid for and owned <laughs> by Zionist interests, if not bought and paid for, just directly owned. Uh, and so you rarely see any type of nod. to. Every once in a while you will, but you rarely see any type of nod towards the Palestinians. And even if there is a half one, it's like, well, the Israelis got to kill them, and you know, it sucks. But um, if you watch the international media, it's not like that. Uh, and even in states like the UK and some of these European states that are nominally, you know, allied with Israel and Netanyahu, their media is very hard on Israel, uh, and continues to be every single day. And so the more atrocities that they commit without just immediate action, like you said, it's this bombing campaign and they're raining down all this fire. It's clearly supremely unfair too. Like nobody can look at this and say, unless you're just bloodthirsty maniac. Uh, I mean, the Palestinians are just sitting ducks for, you know, the most high powered weaponry on earth and just getting absolutely devastated. Then today, this basically what you said has been proven today because this hospital bombing and they killed five to 800 people here in just a blatant war crime. They immediately come out and try to lie about it. They've already been caught lying. I didn't even get a chance to pull this up before you got here. We were covering it all day. The Israeli defense ministries deleted that footage that they said was the exclusive because it wasn't and it was an hour before and it was a clear lie. So they've been caught with their pants down in a, just a massive slaughter of civilians and i don't know if you saw the footage uh, of the people no it's pretty it's, it's gross I mean, yeah, yeah it, it's um it, it's terrible you know and i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not one of these people who's, who says you should sit around you know lamenting the state of the wicked world you know i mean i mean people die on mass i mean that's that, that's what life is um yeah but there is something that's not what I mean. The point I made when I was talking to my friend Joel Davis on his stream the other day, let's let's grotesque with the Zionist perspective. It's not like the way the South Africans viewed things, or like the way the German Reich viewed things. Like, you know, we're not we're not taking pleasure in killing these people, but it's got to be done. It's this kind of hysterical. Everybody's a piece of shit, but us. Anybody, you know, anytime ammo isn't just outgoing but incoming. You know, you're, 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 it's a grave, it's a grave affront to God that you dare defend yourself against us. Like, there's something grotesque about it. And it's like not the way anybody thinks, but Zionists, like, nobody thinks that way. You know, it, um, and that's hurt their optics. There's been something weird about the optics of this from inception, too. And that didn't used to be the case. Like, in 2006, I mean, that's the last time IDF was engaged in an open ended capacity. I mean, it, it was Hezbollah at that time and Hezbollah. I mean, everybody, even, I mean, I mean, Martin Grant Van Krivold, he's like a huge Zionist. And he, I mean, he, he acknowledges like, you know, Hezbollah is like a, they're a very, very tough infantry element. You know, they're very yeah. squared away. Um, but Israel basically blacked out, you know, any kind of like media coverage of what was going on. I mean, it, it, that was easier to do in 2006 than today. But um, on the one hand, there's something very amateurish about um, who they're allowing into the battle space. 
And then there's just like weird stuff. Like I made the point and I got shouted down by people saying I'm like a horrible person or like I'm condoning rape, which is preposterous, obviously. But like, look, I know I, I, I don't find it hard to believe that like horrible stuff is happening in the battle space, nor do I find it hard to believe that Hamas fighters are, are sexually assaulting young women because I mean, that's something that happens at war. But initially that footage that came out, it was like some found footage horror movie. It's like, oh, here's these pretty women, you know, like partying at this rave. Oh, here's these like stereotypically dirtbag looking Arab guys, like leading them away. It's like, what? It's like, who's filming this? Like dudes like, hey, hey, hey let's, let's videotape ourselves filming, like committing war crimes. Like, I mean, like it, there's something off about it. And like, I'm not, I'm not categorically saying like that didn't happen. It may well have happened. And then after the fact, you know, um, this kind of pastiche of, of like fake stuff to kind of dramatize um, what witnesses claimed that, you know, went down occurred. But, you know, that's uh, when you're resorting to that, 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 that kind of smacks at desperation, you know, like when it reminds me of, um, you know, like everybody, everybody's seen that like propaganda poster from the from Wilson's word apartment in 1917. It's like this King Kong, anthropomorphic ape he's got like a naked girl over his shoulder and he's wearing like a pickle hob and it says like stop this mad brute like the implication being like the implication being the german army is like raping women out of her fist and they're a bunch of fucking barbarians you gotta stop this shit i mean it's like the oldest that's the oldest kind of play in the book when you're having trouble shoring up support for your war effort you know like oh you got to save womanhood from from these brutes and i mean and it's like if that's happening too i mean like i said i don't find it hard to believe that like sexual violence happens in the battle space isn't there something kind of gross about just like endlessly? Yeah, I mean, you think it's that, like these think, women have been really raped already. Like, when you're throwing in their footage out there, to, right? yeah, like, you really think those? Like, like my wife or my my mom yeah. or my sister, like if, if her face everywhere, like and people were like wringing their hands about her being raped, I, I don't think I'd feel real fucking dope about that. I mean, like it's a so yeah, yeah. There's something like unseemly about it, you know. And like I said, like Israel, um, they always uh, like owing to the fact that like like what what NGO types call like the global South these days. I mean, it was, was always against Israel, um, you know, during the, all through the cold war and like Israel always had optics problems. And, and I mean, they just accepted that, but um, at the same time, uh, their kind of, their kind of propaganda was a lot, they were a lot more adept at how they presented the narrative. You know, like I said, like basically what should be, what, what should be your default, setting um if you're a chief executive at war and i mean it is is basically like black out the battle space okay i mean i that's that's kind of the, that's the lesson of that's the lesson of lbj and his disastrous experiment with like hey we're we're running an open show here we have nothing to hide like don't 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 nowadays you can't totally black it out but black it out as much as you can possibly can you know um just like 100 percent Okay, and it's it's better than the alternative. Okay, like if people are gonna say you're being secretive, they're gonna speculate, they're gonna say that this isn't what democracies do. It doesn't matter. It's better than the alternative. Yeah, and it's not like I'm seeing this photo. I didn't even see this. This is a press conference outside the hospital. There's literally just dead bodies everywhere, kids' bodies everywhere. Um, I I don't know that this is sustainable. I even saw Trudeau come out today and denounce this, and you know I don't know. What's the end game here for Israel? You know, they talk about killing every Hamas fighter. I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, that would well, the time to do that is passed. I mean, right? like I said, if they were going to, if you know, like I said, I mean, again, um, conventional deterrence <clears throat> must be an active enterprise. Um, 
and if they were going to do that, you know, they immediately, um, upon um, Hamas commencing their assault, you know, uh, they should have corralled forces and being, you know, direct action forces and sent them in essentially to like stack as many bodies up as they could. Um, and, uh, you know, that uh, they didn't do that. So, yeah, it begs the question as to what, it, it begs the question as to what, um, you know, and also too, like concomitant with, 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 with not acting, um, and, 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 and issuing illusory threats. And then you have then said, Oh, and we will not negotiate. It's like, well, then what's your end game, man? Like, yeah, it's not right. clear. You're not willing to negotiate, but you're, you're, you're unwilling to pull the trigger on, on, um, you know, a truly, uh, a truly, um, decisive, um, measure. Well, they won't so, go but, in on like, the ground, apparently. Like, I don't know what. And a lot it, uh, of Israelis going to die too, as well, if they go in. So I don't know if that's part of it or what. But I, I just. Don't it's understand. also you're not saving. But I mean, it's like that's inevitable, and you're not saving lives by waiting. Like you're right. compromising. It's going to be. And also, also too, there's also a there's also a situational awareness. Like the the fog. You have to exploit the fog of war in your favor. Um and um in an asymmetrical conflict that generally belongs to um you know the uh to the non-state actor or to the 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 party combatant like that's disadvantaged as as for technology and and firepower but um you know they can cut two ways i mean it's um if uh if if israel had assaulted immediately with everything they had you know and done so indiscriminately that really would have thrown off the operational paradigm such that it was on hamas's d-day for their assault you know, instead, um, they gave them, you know, it's been, you know, a week, over a week now. You know, they've had time to reconstitute. They've had time to evaluate conditions as they are. Um, now they're actively engaged. They've had time to kind of like absorb the shock of like however many men they've lost. And um, communications you know, in order. They've had time to do that, too. Yeah, right. they've, they've managed to shore up any. I'm sure a lot of these men under arms have like lost um, loved ones and things. They've, you know. Uh, NCOs and commanders at company level have been able to finesse kind of these, the, the, you know, the, a morale crisis among these young guys who've lost people. Like all these kinds of like, all these kinds of like human variables that don't seem important, but but are but are terribly important, you know, like in in active warfare. Um. So yeah, I don't. I mean, like I said the other night on or last night, I guess on Twitter, I don't. I I I don't. I don't understand what the end game is here for Israel. And if they are, if this is just kind of an elaborate um, vacillation and, and then in two days time, and then Yahoo, we're probably, or probably more of the Israeli president who tends to be kind of insinuated into that role. Is it going to say like, okay, we got to come to some kind of terms, you know, for the sake of, you know, human decency or whatever. And, you know, for well, the that sake looks of weak at this point, that's, it's usually weak. And that's where that's worth, that's the worst possible option yeah. Um, after. But I mean, like I said, I don't, um, I think, and I've thought for a long time, I think the Zionist state's going down. It's, it's not going to happen in like six months or in like a year, but the writing's on the wall. You know, Israel's not going to, Israel's not going to exist um, as a Zionist, you know, like racial state by the end of the 21st century. It's just not, um, I've been wrong before, but I don't think I'm wrong here. I won't be alive to see it. So you guys, <laughs> you guys have to, have to <laughs> I don't know if I'll be there either, right to not. be honest, but um, what do you think? Okay. So, Again, I think that would be the weakest and worst 
thing they could possibly do after all the shit they talked about killing every single Hamas leader, or not even leader, member, destroying Hamas. And then if you come out and do a ceasefire, some type of negotiated settlement in a couple of days, that's going to, I mean, that's just giving all your enemies the red flag and it's making you look like a bitch. Like, I, I can't, uh, I don't know. But do you think there's a chance, first off, Hezbollah has been kind of buying their time and maybe firing a few rockets here or there to let Israel know they're still there. Do you think there's a chance Hezbollah gets involved? And then not only just Hezbollah, but um, Iran has done a little saber rattling as, as well. Like they're feeling froggy. Is, is there a chance? At first, I didn't think so at all uh, for a regional, wider regional conflict. But now I'm not so sure, especially after this hospital bombing today. And you see the Arabs activated everywhere they are all over the world about this. I think. I think I think Hezbollah already is engaged, you know, for yeah, a little bit. Well, I mean, for for a long time now, for about 15, 10, 15 years. Um, Israel has been claiming that Al-Quds and Hezbollah, that there's some level of operational integration with Hamas. And I think that that's become an arguable now. And that's one of the reasons why Hamas, at least at company level has has gotten their shit together and they perform a lot better now. Um, One of the things that's facilitated overcoming the sectarian divide between Muslim populations is things like the war in Yemen, you know, uh, and there's an, there's a, there's a laundry list of non-state actors engaged there, you know, from the popular front, the liberation of Palestine, general command, um, there's some guys who are Russian proxies who are like, you know, like, like Sunni Arabs who are flying the flag of this, like the South Yemen armed forces or something. And as if anybody who knows or remembers, if you're old like me, like South Yemen was the only Marxist Leninist, like, you know, like Warsaw back client state, like in, in the Arab world. I mean, so it's like suddenly these guys pop up with a bunch of like Russian arms. Like, obviously they're like a fucking Russian proxy. Um, you know, you got Hezbollah down there. Um, you know, it was only, I, I, I believe too, and I, I, I don't want this to sound like some conspiracy theory or something. One of the reasons why America was kind of like unashamedly and unabashedly like backing these like tech fury psychos like ISIS and Iraq and Syria is because what America, Israel ultimately want is they want, they want, they want to keep the sectarian divide intact and as like bloody and sanguinary as possible. Now, obviously like, that that division is a real thing. It exists regardless of anything, you know, like America or the IDF does. But, um, you know, I think uh, the kind of the ongoing bloodbath in Iraq was kind of keeping it, um, keeping that wound fresh in a way and resistant to uh, remedy. Um, so I think, uh, I, I think, I think there's absolutely collaboration across the sectarian divide. And I, I think there's absolutely operational integration at some level um between Hezbollah and Hamas. In the case of Iran, Iran's a lot more they're they're a lot more cunning than people give them credit for. I don't think Iran would ever be a great regional power. And they're not generally like a martial people, but they are they're a three thousand year old society. And I mean during the Iran Iraq war, the kind of devastation like levied against Iran, I mean, was was catastrophic. And they managed to reconstitute from that, um, you know, and, uh, and and survive, if not thrive. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. And, uh, you know, Hezbollah itself, uh, I mean, Hezbollah is an interesting constellation. I mean, obviously, like, it's it's overwhelmingly like a Shia, a culturally Shia 
organization, but their their charter is that they're non-sectarian. There are some Christians and some Alawites like in the ranks and some Sunnis. The future is 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 outfits like Hezbollah, just like globally, like these non-state actor elements, you know, that have a, a very flexible kind of operational capability, you know, that uh, enjoy, uh, it, you know, enjoy the the good faith and um and sponsorship and patronage. A national government, such a national government, still remain, you know, engaged in in, in the power political game, you know, but they also do have a, a fairly robust independent um operational capability like there's 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 a lot of this progressive about his blood not progressive in like some gay like progressive way i mean like in 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 like a literal sense you know like within the within the evolving military paradigm of the 21st century okay so any and also his um i like i said i don't i don't think i ran as the capability or ambition to be some great like central asian power i mean that should be obvious to anybody who's not just kind of dropping propaganda screeds on people but um iran does need to be able to they, they need to be able to decisively like um impact outcomes in the levant and in the shia heartland you know which is uh you know which is iraq which is uh you know which is uh lebanon which is um syria and to do that they need hezbollah and so anytime anything jumps off between um israel and hamas like hezbollah is going to be engaged in some way because they have to be you know otherwise they're not really in the game and uh i'll wrap it up because i realize i'm rambling but like the arab like the the, uh the both the iranian and the arab dudes are like i i know personally i don't know any guys in the battle space but i do know a couple dudes um you know who hop in between here in lebanon and they told me and I, i i told uh I, I mentioned this in one of the streams I was on the other day. Like from what they've told me, in the last twenty years especially, there's just like a lot less, like like Jews and non-Jews. You know, whether you're talking about you know Sunni, Shia, Christians, Arabs, Persians, Druze, they're just not they're just not really insinuated into the same public spaces anymore. Like they once were. I mean that that's that's not really surprising, you know. But it means that I don't think uh, I don't think Israel is getting meaningful human intelligence from the Arab street, whether it's in Jordan, whether it's in Gaza, um, or uh, you know from or, or from the Shia street. You know, if you're talking about what what's uh, what's developing um, in those quarters, I mean, not even not even not even operationally or anything or any kind of deep penetration of these organizations i mean just like not just like getting a tenor for you know like the state of the enemy's culture and if you're not able to do that you got a problem because human intelligence is is always important i mean even today it's important arguably it's more important today because the the intimacy of of battle spaces these days where people are literally on top of each other and it would amount to like a rosenkrieg which i think i think this qualifies okay i mean it's it's more you've got to be able to you got to be able to empathize with your enemy and i don't mean empathizing you know like sending him a card on his birthday i mean like be able to put yourself like in his like racial mind in some basic sense you know and understand like what he would view the strategic landscape as you know from his cultural vantage point and like what he would think is important and like what would give him the confidence to act and what would kind of what would kind of give him pause i mean all of these things okay and i like I said, I, I, I've not been to the Near East, you know, so I, I'm, I, I can't speak to the validity of this, but I've had guys independently corroborate this, 
you know, who are in theater, like approximately, you know, they're not like in Gaza, but they are, you know, in freaking Iraq and, and Lebanon. Um, and I tend to believe them, you know. Now, okay, so we talked about that some. What's going to happen inside Israel uh, with Netanyahu, who we did speak on? Is he going to still hang on to power or is he going to eventually catch some blowback from this? You know, we've seen some people criticize him here or there, but he's mostly seemed to have consolidated himself. But will that last? I guess it depends on what happens here. But There's something. The ascendancy of Likud is peculiar. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the ascendancy of Likud owes to the murder of Yitzhak Rabin in 95. And, I, I mean, remember when that, that happened. I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was 19. And it was a shocking kind of thing. And, you know, it, uh, bad as things were then, there was, there was basically like a peace party within the Zionist state represented by, um, represented by Rabin. And, uh, they were, they were, they were going to come to terms with, uh, with the Palestinians. I mean, that was, I, I know a lot of people believe that, um, the murder of Rabin was, was like a coup. I, I can't speak to that because I don't, I, I haven't deep dived enough and I, I don't speak or read the language and I, I don't know. It would, it certainly would not surprise me if that was the case, but whether it was, you know, just an opportune occurrence or whether it was, you know, um, like a cadre of, of really hardcore Zionist types who, who did him in, you know, Israel basically became, you know, it's like a party state after that you know, um, in all but name. And like when you did have, um, a laborite at the helm, it was, it was basically cosmetic and, you know, that, um, so I think, uh, the real question is, you know, what's the future of Likud? This kind of, the kind the recycling of Netanyahu, like the, the fool shows up again, again, like a fucking bad penny, you know? And like, it's, if he, uh, you know, I like, again, kind of what, the point I made sort of at, at the outset of our discussion if he's the best man they can draft, or if he's like the only man like Likud can draft to develop like a quorum within their own, within their own um, house, that's not that that indicates a, a real crisis. Not to say their mandate with you know the their their people at large, and by that I mean the body politic, but also kind of like within you know within um, decision making quarters, you know it's uh so it's a it's like I guess the million dollar question to me is. Will they hang Netanyahu out to dry? And if they don't, it's because there's nobody they have to replace him. And if they do, like, what's that going to result in? I don't see Liku just saying, like, okay, we're going to return to, we're we're going to return to, you know, what was normalcy thirty years ago, and and basically allow, you know, allow real challenges to the status quo within our own electoral system. Um, you, it, there, it could be a real. Uh, it could it, it, some real internal frailties could emerge, man. I don't know, but yeah, I mean that's you. You hit on what like the the key question is, or the key issue is rather. And Likud in general kind of just has, and the right wing in Israel kind of has a stranglehold basically, um, and there really is no peace movement <laughs> like that whole two state. All no, that there's, shit. there's no meaningful opposition. No. Yeah, there's nothing, and the Palestinian Authority is kind of a joke. Uh, as well. Anyway, they're not very respected in the first place, but um, there's no, there's no movement on any of that. Uh, And you hear Biden talking it up, like they might try to install the PA there in Gaza and all this stuff. And it's like, I don't think so. (laughs) They can barely even be in the West Bank. No, that's Uh, ridiculous. 
yeah, it's crazy. Like I don't, I don't know any thoughts on on those couple little issues there. And just, I mean, it's just like, anything coming out of the. I mean, the Department of State these days, the state's a joke. Doesn't even. It's not even a joke. I mean, that dignifies it too much, you know. And it's not. It's not. Um. I mean, even even with these people, even with these people not absolutely proceeding in bad faith, like people in the American executive. I mean, like even even that aside, they they've got no meaningful understanding uh they're, they're conceptual illiterates like they they have no like biden really is like I mean, everything on the side biden's a fucking idiot like he's not acting you know like these fools of the department of state like they, they they have no fucking idea about the world outside of uh pentagon city or you know the the kind of beltway environs that you know they they um you know they kind of they, they kind of exist and and fester in but um i mean god they sure but i'm i'm uh as you might have noticed, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting over a major like rheumatoid flare-up. I'm not at 100. percent Um, I'm uh, if there's some, if there's some questions people got. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Throw some those. questions yeah. out there, chat, because we kind of handled it really just in that piece right there. And I know okay, you're going no, through it. I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't yeah, feel well, like I, because I was, you could tell I pretty much asked all the questions that I had. Right, like that's why I was like, well, I don't know if you got any thoughts on this, but and, and we're gonna talk about it some more. Um layer on through the night i've been having fun just covering it live of course i shouldn't say fun because it's not fun to see dead people no no you're uh, but it's kind of one of my fortes i guess covering live no i i've been very so, impressed man like like legit i'm not i'm not just you know being being polite um you've been you've been dropping a lot of fire content man Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And and I guess, yeah. and, and I'll look for some questions. You don't even have to super chat one in. Just throw one out there, uh, and I could ask him. Uh, but I could also ask you maybe just to wrap it on this, too. You talked about yeah, this man. earlier, and there's this strain of, I don't give a fuck. You know, they can kill each other, and it has nothing to do with me. And I see that a lot, and, and sometimes I give a nod. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. That's fair. At least you're not pro-Zionist, whatever. Um, but it's really not funny. <laughs> It's not fine. It's retarded. Um, is there a way to like capture some of that uh, and shift it more towards? Hey, this is fucked up. What Lacoud and and the science? I mean, people have their conceptual biases, and I've tried. I've tried to explain to people that you know, like a Syrian Christian guy who's like a civilized like white person is not like the Somali shitbag refugee who like steals some guy's bicycle in Paris. Like people like can't get that through their mind. It's like, oh, it's Islam, and like Islam are these like you know these like rapists like shitbags from Africa. Like I, so like that's one of the obstacles. Secondly, you know, like I said, man, like Israel's not a normal state, and if you truly like you know quote don't give a shit about the fact that the entire kind of international war and peace paradigm like circles around uh, like orbits around you know Israel's preservation of it of, of its like you know racial bloodline. I mean, that don't if, if you truly don't care about that, and you truly think it's okay for Israel to impose its will on um, you know, those outside of the race, you know, within uh, within um, within the Near East, like don't, don't complain about wokeism, don't complain about like Holocaust stuff, don't complain about you know the fact that narratives are entirely controlled, are are, are entirely you know centered around around Jewish perspectives, because like you can't just like not care about the one, but like be enraged at the other. You know, like you either you either you either accept uh you 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 either accept and quote don't give a shit or don't care about the reality of Jewish power, or uh you you or or you oppose it and you're actively resisting, you know it's uh it's hegemony uh, uh you know over the the kind of kind of conceptual horizon. 
Yeah, and I, and I mean, he kind of just hit on hit on that. Chief of Staff messaged me. He says, "Ask Thomas about how." Well, he used a certain term, but then he said nationalists uh, and another group uh, misunderstand the Palestine issue by pretending it has nothing to do with them. I mean, that's kind of what he's talking about. This is the fucking issue. Like, you can't just say, oh, right? <laughs> this is the seat, like, this is the center of, of like, Jewish power of their issues, like, what they care about. Uh, and so it's like, oh, well, you just don't care about it. Well, I guess you're an idiot then. Like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. And no disrespect. I know some people, you know, just hands off, whatever, but that's kind of how I see it, uh, where it's like, you can't not care about that. You ever heard of the Israel lobby? Do you know why that even is here? Right? Like, uh, anyway, um, but also he wanted me to ask you about, and you could throw a little bit more on there if you wanted to, cause, but I think you kind of said that already, but, um, about your podcast season two coming up. Yes. We're, we're, we're dropping it on Halloween weekend. Um, and, uh, the format's going to be basically the same. I'm, it's usually going to be me interviewing somebody. It's going to be longer. The episodes are going to be about two hours. And there's going to be an overarching motif, like, by season from now on. And there's a lot more going into production. Like, I don't want to spoil it, but, like, there's a reason why I, I took, like, several months. I didn't just I, – I needed a break, number one, because I've been working on, like, a lot of stuff. But also, like, Rake, who's, like, my, my partner in crime and, like, the guy who makes all this happen, you know, like, or he's my editor and he – you know, he, he does all the, you know, like tech stuff. Um, you know, he, uh, he and I came into some equipment we need to kind of like up our production shops and it's going to be quite a bit different, but you know, the same, the same kind of stuff that, you know, there'll be more of like what people have told me that they, 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 they liked most about season one. And like when season two drops, like all season one kind will be available for free. I'm hoping in about six months I can eliminate paywalls altogether, but I'm not there yet. And the lowest I've gotten, I can make it, like, it's $5 a month. That keeps me from eating a loss, okay? I'm hoping as we continue to monetize, like, everything will just be free, okay? So I'm making as much stuff, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm making as much stuff free it's as I can, okay? Like, trust me, I'm not, I'm not. I, I don't like, like, this show is free, quote-unquote, but if suddenly yeah. I wasn't making <laughs> No, I didn't. Suddenly, it was I mean, too like, tight. I like about not eating a loss, man. I'm not <laughs> yeah. trying to like freaking profit from my podcast. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. I'm not, uh, yeah. So, but I'm hoping uh, we are monetizing in, in other ways, and like my long form stuff is selling well. I mean, I'm grateful to God and every and, and all of our peoples for that. But um, yeah, thanks for asking about the pod. Like Halloween weekend, um, I'm gonna start doing some biweekly live streams too. But I haven't made like I made an announcement about that on on Substack, <clears throat> and that's going to be more uh, that's going to be more kind of like a conversational thing, um, and I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna cover more kind of like pop culture stuff and just like weird ephemera, you know, it'll be more more like fun stuff than like you know the kind of like hard and fast political stuff and theoretical stuff and and and, 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 and I just yeah. want to say this: the two hour interviews. Um, there's a total, so I do both, right? Like in about an hour and then the two, the three longer sometimes. Those are the ones that are really, I love those type of interviews. Um, they're totally different. There's a different art too, in my opinion. So there's the one hour boom packed in there. Anybody can listen to it one hour. And then there's the wide ranging discussion that could go it's anywhere. Also, uh, and so I, I love them both. No, no. I, I really like the two, three hour. Well, it's also like I told people. Like this podcast, when I launched the pod in, I launched the pod basically like right, right, right around when the Ukraine war jumped off. Like it's not why I launched it; I've been planning it. But 
I never like like I've never even done like AV stuff when I was in like high school. You know, like I had like no experience like doing anything like that. So like I didn't know. I basically just like was winging it for like the first six months I was doing it. You know, and it kind of just came together like okay, like I, I basically have like an interview podcast. You know where where we take down. You know, kind of like the first half, kind of like you know the big news of the week, generally in war and peace stuff. Then like the second half. I kind of get to know whoever whoever I'm talking to better and let them kind of like, you know, speak directly to the subscribers. But it's like I had no I, I had no confidence in myself as like, you know, a broadcaster or whatever. So that's kind of I've been just like learning by doing. I mean, I had this two years now. So like as a podcaster, I mean, like now I I, I don't even stress about it ever. You know, it's just um, but that's the reason why there's like a learning curve, man, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of why, and, um, that, that's kind of, that, that's kind of why, uh, I, I, I started like, frankly, like slow, man, and kind of like low key, you know, but yeah. Um, but no, thanks, man. People seem very excited about the pod and that I, I really sincerely appreciate that, man. Oh, like, where can they find it? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's on Substack. It's, on it's Substack. real okay. Thomas 777.substack.com. That's also where I just like announce stuff and there's some like semi-long form stuff there and just like other kind of like weird stuff. We've got a pretty active chat there. So like join the chat. Anybody can. You don't need to pay or anything. Really? Yeah. You just like join the chat, like whether you subscribe or not to the Substack. But it, um, you can also find, you, you can always find my stuff at thomas777.com. It's number seven, H-O-M-A-S, 777.com. And uh, I'm on X at least for the time being. Um, I'm kind of trying to phase that out, but um, I mean, for the time being, it's a good way to plug our stuff and like reach our peoples. Um, my X handle is uh, at real capital R E A L underscore number seven H O M A S seven seven seven. That's primarily where I'm at online. <clears throat> I do a lot of stuff with Pete Canones, uh, as well as with yourself, which is friggin' huge. Um, you know, I, rec- I re- the other day I was recorded with Joel Davis. Um, so I've been, I've been keeping busy during the pod hiatus, and like I said, you can find all that stuff. Uh, just, just like go to the website, and you can find it. But also, um, I've got a YouTube channel where the live streams are going to appear. It's a uh, Thomas TV, um, number seven HMAS space TV. It's not it's, it's not populated really by anything other than like some intro stuff and some like kind of fun videos. But that's where a lot of my video content is going to go and as season two gets underway, there's going to be a lot more video. Um, that's another thing. That's one of the reasons I was traveling so much the last year because we were stockpiling footage and things, but you'll, you'll see all that. There's, there's good stuff afoot, man. Um, I, I'm very confident. Well, about there was it. good stuff afoot here tonight on your segment and I appreciate it. I love talking to you. You're just a very learned guy and easy to talk to. And those are my favorite type of guests. And it's been great uh, having you on this year and way before too, but uh, particularly uh, what we've done the last couple of months. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope you have a good one. Thomas 777 here live on the kill stream. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ralph. Have a good one. There he is. Round of applause. See, I love those. Salutes, salutes in the chat. I see a couple of those. I appreciate it. I didn't get any super chat questions, but we're about 50% of the way there, just below on the goal. And to be honest, I mean, I didn't need them. Like, I can just, I've done this interview thing a couple of times. Like, I can't. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not an idiot myself, and I kind of, I know that issue a bit anyway. And so I can just, you know roll it out there but 
Uh, it was more of just if you guys had a question that you wanted to put to him, but we kind of, I thought pretty good, put a pretty good bow on the Israel-Palestine thing that we're about to untie and go back into here live on the show. Um, but I thought it was pretty, that's why when he said he had a, and I, apparently he's talked about this publicly, but he's got rheumatoid arthritis. And so he had, he had soldiered through to do the appearance, uh, and that's why when he was like, oh, well, you got any questions? I was like, I kind of hit all my questions, really, on that, unless we start going to some other topics. Um, but I think we'll save that uh, and have him back on again. A future Hall of Famer, yeah, I agree with that. I enjoyed his Blood Sports with the Captain, too. Speaking of Blood Sports, October the 26th, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's right. That's right. During the middle of the fucking day on a Thursday. Thursday, October the 26th, Jesse Lee Peterson versus Tommy Sotomayor live on the kill stream. We've had Jesse in a blood sports before, actually, with Ruby Spacek, if you know your kill stream history, which some of you do. That's still on YouTube. I think it's on Ruby's channel if you want to watch it. Uh, and she's very nice. I like her a lot. 